morning, New Hope. Man, it is Tuesday, it is October, and I am so glad that you are here with us today. Hey, um, if you have been uh, paying attention, attending, going online, and, ch and checking out the Marriage Boot Camp, I hope it has been uh, as much a blessing to you as it has been to me. It has spurred some good conversations in my house. Um, it has spurred some good introspection in myself. So, uh, man, it's been a great series. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've used Pastor Tim's uh, timeline from week one where we go from uh, honeymoon stage to reality and then we stay in the fight long enough to get to Christ-like love. And it's true in our marriages, man. It's true in a ton of places in life, too. So, man, thank you guys for just showing up for that series. Thank you for sharing it on social media. Um, not yesterday for six hours because everything was down, apparently. Um, thank you. Just thank you, thank you, thank you for, for diving in to God's Word and being a part of, of what God is doing in and through New Hope. Uh, a couple quick reminders to fire us off this morning, and then we're going to get into scriptures. If you want to get ahead a little bit, you can turn to Luke chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 31. Remember, this Saturday from 10 to 4 is a fall market at the Friendswood campus. Um, that's a great fundraiser opportunity. Uh, we take all of the proceeds of that, and we use it towards Night to Shine. Um, and if you're not familiar with what Night to Shine is, man, go check it out. It's this incredible, uh, like a prom celebration for uh, adults with special needs. I mean, a, a community that a lot of times gets pushed to the very edges of society and forgotten about. And um, we, get, we get a chance to show them that they're created in the image of Christ and that we love them and that he loves them and that they're incredibly important people. So come out on, on, on Saturday. There's a bunch of homemade goods. There's, there's food trucks. There's local vendors, all kinds of cool stuff out there. Uh, come do that. Come, come and just come hang out with some people from New Hope. Man, some of, the, some of the best people in the world go to this church, I believe. Uh, so that's on Saturday from uh, 10 to 4 at the Friendswood campus. Remember, remember, remember that life group sign-up is ending. Uh, so if you're not in a group, man, it's, a time, it's time to get into it. And, and, if, and if you're here this morning and you say, I don't really need to be in a life group, um, maybe there's a life group out there that needs you in it, though. Uh, but, but you do need to be in a life Like, you really do need to be in a life group. So sign up for a life group. Man, again, it's it's opportunity to hang out with some great people from New Hope and uh, just study the Word, pray together, live life together, and move towards Christ together. Because there's going to be days where you need them, uh, and there's going to be days where they need you. So get into a group. we a uh, big, big fan of, of life groups. Those, those Again, those signups are ending soon, so get into that. Okay. Luke chapter 7, verse 31 this morning. Uh, we're going to dive into another parable that Jesus tells. And remember, uh, this is six, uh, number six, on the countdown towards the end of these uh, incredibly awesome TNT Devos. So uh, today, you got, you got five more after this one. Stay with us. Finish this thing strong. We got some other things that uh, we, we, we want to help put some resources in your hands as, as far as going forward from there. Luke chapter 7, verse 31. I'm just going to read the parable, and then we're going to spend a little bit of time digging through it, playing with it, figuring out exactly what, uh, what's going on here. So Luke 7, 31. I'm reading out of the NIV this morning. To what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? Uh, just parenthetically this morning, I think that particular verse uh, plays in any culture, in any society, in any time period, in any generation, till what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge or a funeral song and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. 
All right. Let me peel the curtain back a little bit on, on uh, how I study for, for these kind of moments and, and the opportunities that we have to teach the Word of God. And everybody that, that does it studies a little bit differently. But if uh, when, when I get the passage or when I know where we're going with something, I, I pull out or I, I actually, there's a website I use that, that has a kajillion different commentaries on it, okay? And so I go in there and I start looking around and seeing what other people have said about it and kind of getting a feel because I, I, want, I want good biblical wisdom on what this passage means and what it contains. So I want to make sure that I'm staying well within the bounds of, of good theology, that I'm taking us in the right direction, that I'm teaching the Word of God uh, with truth and accuracy. All those things are important to me. So I did with this one, I, I, I read the passage and I went, I'm not... I'm not entirely sure what, what Jesus is trying to say here, so I'm going to dive into some commentaries and see what's out there. Uh, let me just tell you right now, there is zero general consensus on what Jesus is trying to say in this parable and what he's trying to communicate. Uh, I found several commentators that had thoughts on it, and some were quite interesting. Uh, one commentator, uh, he said this whole passage is just a condemnation of, of a society that would let children live in such poverty that they had to sit in the marketplace and play their flutes and, and go to funerals and be professional uh, funeral performers all to try to make a little bit of money so they could eat tomorrow. Eh, I don't really think that's what we're going for here. So that, that, was, that was one of them. Uh, one of them said uh, that the whole thing was a look back and then a look forward. Uh, they compared John the Baptist, that he was the human symbol of the Old Covenant, the Covenant of the Old Testament, the covenant that Jesus came to fulfill and then, and then obviously just you know, make incredible. Uh, so he was the human embodiment of the old covenant and he was embodied in this particular passage in the funeral dirge because the old covenant led to death and then Jesus was the physical human embodiment of the new covenant and he was the song in this, in this passage So because his song led to life and, and his covenant leads to life. I, I was like, oh, okay, all right, I, I can get somewhere out of that one. And and then I think the one that made me step back the most was the one that talked about how uh, Jesus was using one of uh, Aesop's fables, you know, the guy that wrote Tortoise in the Air, he wrote like 80-something fables. And this particular passage about the children in the marketplace has, is a reference to one of Aesop's fables in, in this commentator's mind. Um, and all he was trying to do in this passage, according to the commentator, Jesus was trying to teach us that um, if you are offered a benefit, in this particular case, eternal life, if you're all, or, or time with Christ, if you're offered a benefit and you don't take it when it's offered to you initially, then it doesn't have any value to you until you really need it. And then it's kind of like, well, you didn't want me back then, but now you want me now. It's, I, okay. So there's zero general consensus on what this means. Um, so let me, let me just invite you to, to my side of the conversation for a few minutes this morning. Um, as a lifelong, uh, not charter, but lifelong member of the Overthinker Society. Do I have any Overthinker Society members uh, with us today? As a lifelong member of the Overthinker Society, let me be your encouragement today to not overthink what's going on in this parable, okay? I don't think it's about uh, children in poverty, although we should care about that kind of a thing. I don't think it's about old covenant, new covenant, although that is all true. Um, Let's, let's keep it simple today. Overthinkers, this is your permission to not overthink this one today, okay? So let's just kind of look at it for what it is. In verse 32, Jesus says, 
that there are children in the marketplace. I assume that if you're in the marketplace, you're doing marketplace e kind of things. You are uh, buying and selling. You are transacting business. Uh, if you're going to be at the fall market on Saturday, you're going to be buying and selling. You'll be transacting business. So he places the children in the marketplace very much on purpose. And they're there playing music, trying to uh, uh, get you to dance when they play music, trying to really trying to capture your eye, trying to uh, almost distract you from why you're in the marketplace. You're there to buy and sell and who knows what else you're, you're doing, but you're doing marketplace -y kind of things. And the children are playing music and are getting kind of upset when you don't turn your attention to them. Uh, if you do turn your attention to them, if you get distracted by what's going on, there is a high likelihood that you will either end up taking home something you didn't intend to buy while you're at the market, or you will go home without something that you did intend to buy while at the market. Uh, it's why I take a list with me to the grocery store. I am, I am very easily distracted. I don't know if anyone else gets distracted. Target, the ultimate distraction for me. I walk in for four things. I walk out with six things. Those six things are none of the four things that were on my list um, if I don't take a list with me. If I do take a list, there is still a chance, there's still a chance I'm gonna get distracted by something going on in there. Uh, I'm sure I'm probably not alone in that. Uh, going home without what I was supposed to go home with and coming home with things that I wasn't supposed to have come home with because I am human, we're all human. I am very, very easily distracted. Um, so these, these kids in the marketplace are playing music. They're trying to capture attention. They're trying to turn your eyes from what you were there to do to, to, to something else. But people, man, people can be a huge, huge blessing in our life. Um, they, they, can, they can be a great source of encouragement for us. They can be a great source of love. Um, they, they, they can be a huge blessing, but they can also be a huge distraction. You're probably familiar with the fact that in March of 2020, we had a global pandemic that started, uh, which we are mm, somewhere in the process of being closer to the end than the beginning. I wish I knew exactly where we were and what was going on. But so in, in March of 2020, a good chunk of the population left the office and went home and began to work from home. And as I know some of you are still working from home. Some of you never worked from home. Some of you were uh, in some hybrid form of it at this point. Um, but there have been, in that 18 months or so since March of 2020, there's been a ton of studies on what has been, what does productivity look like now that we're home? What does productivity look like now that we're in the office? Are you more productive? Are you less productive? All that kind of stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so the studies have found that we are between somewhere between 13, that's kind of the low end of the, of the spectrum, and 47% more productive when we're at home. I had somebody say to me yesterday, that's not true if you have kids, which I 100% agree with. Uh, 13 to 47% more productive at home because we are able to do more work in less time, and therefore we can do more work in, in, and have more time to do some of the other things that we, we might want to do. Uh, so people people can be a distraction. The reason that we're 13 to 47% more productive at home is because uh, we spend less time talking to people. Uh, the, one of the studies said that they estimate that people in an office spend 30 minutes or more every single day talking about non-work things with the people that they work with. And I think that's, that's probably pretty true. Uh, so so uh, if, if you're working from home and you don't have all of the side conversations and 
You don't have people wandering into your office and you don't have people wandering by your desk and talking to you about non-work type things. You're more productive. You, you get more done because people can be a huge blessing, but they absolutely can be a distraction. And if you've ever worked in an office, you know that there is that one guy. There's always that one guy in every single office I've ever been in. There's that one guy that when you see him coming towards your desk or coming towards your office and you make eye contact with him and you realize that he's heading in your direction, you are looking for the exit, man. Where, where can I run to? Uh, you might pick up your cell phone and stick it to your ear like you're in the middle of a conversation because you know that if you even give that guy half of an inch of space, it's going to be the next 30, 45 minutes of your day absolutely gone. Totally unproductive. Nothing at all. People can be a huge blessing in our life. People are a huge blessing in our life. But they can be a big distraction. And Jesus then puts these kids in the marketplace and says of the people of that generation, and specifically the Pharisees, that they're a distraction. The whole point is that they're a distraction. Uh, what are they a distraction from? Not from the buying and selling in the marketplace. That's simply the, the setting for the conversation. So what are they a distraction from? Well, it's interesting because when, when John the Baptist uh, was, was fully in his ministry, the Pharisees accused him of, of not really loving God the right way because, uh, the, he, because of the way he fasted and he drank no wine. Uh, and, and so he must have had a demon. Someone who does those kind of things must have a demon. And then Jesus comes along and does, gets fully engaged in, in ministry as well. And, and then the Pharisees say, well, you eat too much and you drink too much and you, drink, you do drink wine and you hang out with the wrong kind of people. And so there's these accusations, these arrows are flying at John the Baptist and, and Jesus. And then kind of by association, all of their disciples are being brought into this, this conversation. So the Pharisees, uh, their distraction was distracting potential followers of God from the central message of John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. Um, John the Baptist's central message, really simple. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hey. The Messiah is here. And that's a scary message for those that were in charge. And so they're trying to distract from that. They don't want people to hear that message. And Jesus' message, his central message is this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And don't forget, I'm coming back for my bride. That's a, that's a message the Pharisees wanted to distract from also because they wanted to be the place that people went for way, truth, and life. And they wanted to be, uh, they wanted that, that, that place. And so Jesus says, the Pharisees are a distraction from the message of John the Baptist and the message of Jesus Christ. And uh, so what about, what about today? What are those things that today for us can be a distraction? Do, do you ever struggle with getting off track and getting off course? Uh, what are the things that could move our eyes from this central message of Jesus Christ? That I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I'm coming back for my bride. Well, I think like those kids in the square, when they're saying, I'm playing music, dance, weep, respond to me. Uh, the Pharisees getting off message and saying, if you really love God, you should eat more and or you should eat less. You should do this and or you should stop doing that. There's this kind of this weird uh, distraction that they have that no matter what you do, it's wrong. And it's loud voices saying, if you really go in, in our culture, it's loud voices saying, if you really love God, you will act like this. You will join this movement. You will believe this. You will say this. You will do this. And they, 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 can be a, they can be an absolute distraction for us. These distractions often, if not always, prey on our desire to be a great follower of Jesus Christ. We, we want to be better. We want to get better at following Christ. And so we hear this, and it, 
it kind of plays into that desire for us. Um, but they can distract us from the central message. Uh, one of the things uh, you know, that, that I love here at New Hope is that we try to keep the message as simple and as central as possible. Know Christ and make him known. That's it. It's the whole deal. Don't get distracted by anything else. Don't, don't get distracted as you're living this life by all of the other things in this life that would love to distract you. Um, and, and, and I want you to hear me say something I'm not saying this way. There, there is certainly a place, certainly a place, for other brothers and sisters in Christ, people who know you, to speak into your life. It's one of the greatest areas of growth that we can have. Someone who says, that behavior right there is not Christ-honoring. Um, and especially if there's an area of your life that is clearly out of bounds of Scripture. We need, we need people. That's why we do life groups. We need people w with us in this journey because we're going to make mistakes. Man, a heart is deceptive. Uh, but you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you as well. And he's willing and able and loves to show you things to start and things to stop. Habits to begin, habits to put down. Um, what to do, what not to, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and so that's not what I'm talking about this one. I'm talking about someone who loves you enough to say to you, that behavior is wrong or the way you responded was not Christ-like. Um, it's more about the distractions of life. Sitting in a marketplace there to do something and getting distracted while you're there. Following Christ, knowing Christ and making him known. Don't get distracted along the way of that journey. Here's, here's kind of one of the things I pulled out of this parable I thought was really interesting. If you, if anybody, wants to find something wrong with the way that somebody is following Jesus, you can find something wrong with the way that someone else is living their life. Uh, this one fasts too much. This one doesn't fast enough. This one does this. This one hangs out with the wrong people. Uh, they, they point at Jesus. They point at John the Baptist. Jesus, remember, God in the flesh, they point at him and say, you're not following God the right way. It's, th think about that. God, you're not doing a good enough job. You're not getting it done. So here's, here's the encouragement I want us to be able to pull out of this today. If people criticize Jesus for the way that he lived his life, and they did, they're probably going to criticize you and me as well. And that's okay. That's why you have the Holy Spirit inside of you to help guide you along the way. That's why there's people in your life that can help speak to you and help keep you on the path of knowing Christ and making him known. If you start living your Christian walk according to the opinions of other people, man, you're going to be all over the map. It's going to be everywhere. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians 4 that one of the measures of maturity in a Christ follower is that we're, we're not tossed back and forth by the waves and blown, blown here and there. I lost my, lost my spot there. Blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Not tossed back and forth. So... Don't get distracted by every voice, by, by everything you hear. This is what you got to do. This is what you got to do. This is what you need to think. This is how you need to believe. All that kind of, don't get tossed back and forth. Stay focused. Stay focused on one voice alone. I love in Psalm 19 when David says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your, in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's it. That's the audience we're going for as we know Christ and make him known. Do that, do, do, is my life pleasing to you, God? Are the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart pleasing in your sight? O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So don't get distracted. Know Christ. Make him known. Make him known in your family. Make him known among your friends. Make him known in, 
in, in, in your community of people that you hang out with. Make him known at your job. Make him known to your one. Know Christ and make him known. And then just, man, watch what God does from there. I'm telling you from experience, when we just do that, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your eyes. We live our life according to that standards. God will do amazing things around us, in the people around us. And we just get to sit back and watch the story that God is writing. And he's writing an incredible one. New Hope, I love you guys. I want to pray for us. I'm going to send you out of your way on Tuesday. Don't get distracted by all the voices in the marketplace. Stay focused. Know Christ and make him known. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you. We just want to start there today. Thank you, Lord, for sending God in the flesh, in the, in the form of Jesus Christ, to walk the face of this earth and to show us how to live our life. Lord, thank you for sending your spirit to live within us so that when we're not sure what we should do, you give us wisdom and, and direction. Thank you for sending your spirit to live within us so that when we do the wrong things, there is quick correction and we have opportunity to repent and change. Lord, help us. Man, help us, God. There are so many voices in this world telling us how we should or should not live, what we should or should not do. May we hear your voice well. And may we stop and listen for your voice well. And then, Lord, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be, be pleasing in your eyes. O oh Lord, because you are our rock and our redeemer. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, New Hope, I love you guys, man. Go have a great, great Tuesday, um, and we will see you right back here on Thursday for the next round of TNT.